Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. From John to Justin, which releases every single Friday. Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday. And Coast to Coast, which releases every single Thursday. If you like, you can reach me through email. Just email craig at CanadaEHX.com. You can also find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Today I'm looking at the history of Maple Creek. I used to live near Maple Creek, and it's a beautiful town, and it's a beautiful landscape, and the history is really interesting. So let's get right to it. The Indigenous the area around Maple Creek has been an important spot for the indigenous for thousands of years. The nearby Cypress Hills provided a landscape unique to the entire area, and with it, an abundance of game. When the glaciers occupied the landscape, the Cypress Hills were untouched, giving them some of the same flora and fauna found at the Rocky Mountains. For the indigenous, the area was a frequent place to pass through and settle, especially with the immense herds of bison moving through the entire area. For centuries, the land was occupied by the Blackfoot people, and as time went on, other indigenous nations would come in, including the Métis and the Sioux. Nearby Maple Creek, the federal government would establish the Indian Farm in 1879 with the purpose of teaching the indigenous to farm and ranch. This would only last briefly before the federal government chose to move the indigenous out of the area to east of Regina to make way for the coming of the Transcontinental Railway. One indigenous man fondly remembered by early settlers was Tea Coffee John, who was known for his love of tea and coffee with the settlers of the area. Described as very polite, he was known for his generous nature. One story tells of Tea Coffee John camping near the ranch of Charlie Smith. Smith gave John a blue roan cow, which John killed and then tanned the hide of. He then gave the hide to Smith as a gift. Nearby to Maple Creek is the Nekaneet First Nation, and today Maple Creek sits on Treaty 4 land. The name of the nation comes from Chief Nekaneet, and following the removal of the indigenous of the area to places farther from the United States border, Chief Nekaneet and his people refused to leave. They instead stayed, became friends with the settlers, traded, learned to rodeo, and worked on each other's farms. With the help of ranchers who lobbied the Canadian government, the descendants of Chief Nekaneet and his people were granted a reserve in the Cypress Hills. The Cypress Hills Massacre National Historic Site One of the darkest chapters in Canadian history occurred nearby to Maple Creek, but it would lead to the creation of an iconic symbol of Canada. In the spring of 1873, a group of Canadian and American wolf hunters capped near the Teton River, and over the course of one night their horses disappeared. They believed the horses had been stolen by the indigenous in the area, and they went to Fort Benton, Montana to ask for help in finding the indigenous. Their request was turned down so Thomas Hardwick and John Evans, the leaders of the Wolf Hunters, organized their own expedition. A group of 13 men set out into Canada to find the horses. They would reach a small trading post in the Cypress Hills and there they encountered George Hammond, who had been illegally selling whiskey to the indigenous and he joined the expedition. They also met Abe Farwell, 
who had a trading post and he told them that the nearby Assiniboine had no horses with them. The men did a brief search and found no horses with Little Soldier, the leader of the group of Assiniboine in the area. The next day, Hammond stated that the men of Little Soldier had stolen his horse and he walked to the indigenous camp and told the rest of the men to follow him. Abe Farwell, knowing that Hammond was looking for violence, tried to stop him. Hammond then reached the tent of Little Soldier and asked for his horse. Little Soldier stated he did not have the horse but that he had seen it grazing on a nearby hill. Little Soldier offered two horses as hostages until Hammond's horse could be found. Seeing the women and children leaving the camp and the men taking their garments off, the wolf hunters believed Little Soldier and his men were going to attack. The wolf hunters lined up on a riverbank near the Assiniboine camp while Abe Farwell pleaded with them not to resort to violence. The wolf hunters then began to fire their guns at the Assiniboine, leading to as many as 13 indigenous deaths. The wolf hunters suffered one death. In August of 1873, news of the massacre reached Ottawa, and the Canadian government took steps to have those who killed the indigenous tried for murder, but the United States would not allow this. Eventually, it would lead to the arrival of the Northwest Mounted Police in the West, and the massacre served as a major catalyst for the creation of the force. Today, the site is a National Historic Site of Canada and artifacts from the massacre can be found at the Fort Walsh National Historic Site. Fort Walsh I'd like to say that I've actually been to Fort Walsh, and it's one of the coolest historic sites that I've ever been to, so I really encourage you to check it out. With the arrival of the Northwest Mounted Police came a new fort in the Cypress Hills, and one of the most important forts for the early police force. Built on the site of the Cypress Hills Massacre in June of 1875, it was named for its builder and inspector James Walsh. The purpose of the fort was to stop the illegal whiskey trade and protect the border from the Americans who were often moving into the area to hunt and trade. The fort would serve as an important place for the next decade with traders, settlers and indigenous often visiting it. On September 25, 1877, the Assiniboine chiefs, Man Who Takes the Coat, Long Lodge and Lean Man all signed Treaty 4 at the fort in the presence of the Northwest Mounted Police and Inspector Walsh. Fort Walsh would actually serve as the headquarters of the Northwest Mounted Police from 1878 to 1882, but in 1883 it was officially closed and dismantled. The original site of the fort was made a National Historic Site of Canada in 1924, and in the 1940s the entire fort was reconstructed and used to breed horses for the RCMP musical ride. Today, the fort still stands and the buildings, townsite and cemeteries can all be toured. On September 28, 2004, the fort was made part of the Cypress Hills Dark Sky Preserve. The Founding of the Community As Fort Walsh grew in importance, various settlers would come to the area and began to settle. As well, the retiring members of the force found they loved the area and they too started to buy up land around where Maple Creek would be one day. As the Canadian Pacific Railway was being built across the country, it would reach the prairies in 1882 and began to make a lot of progress as a result. With that change, Regina became the new headquarters of the Northwest Mounted Police, ending Fort Walsh's importance. At the same time as the railroad was coming through, various individuals started to see opportunity for the land. A contracting firm, Langdon & Shepherd, built a storage shed to house its railroad equipment through the winter, and a log house was built to board the workers. 
This marks the beginning of Maple Creek, which during the winter of 1882-83 had a grand population of 12 people. The following year, as the winter transitioned into spring, new settlers arrived and John and Chester Dixon would start up a store, which for several years was ranked among the best in the West. The livestock industry was incredibly important to Maple Creek, and it would help to shape the economy of the district for years. The first train load of cattle to be shipped out of western Canada would be loaded in Maple Creek in 1884, heading to Chicago. That same year, the first car of wheat was shipped out of Maple Creek by F.W. Peacock, and the Listern K. Company out of England would establish farms in the district. From this point, Maple Creek began to grow, and in 1896 it was incorporated as a village. On January 10, 1901, the Merchants Bank of Canada opened the first bank in the community when the community had 300 people and the bank employed a staff of two. On April 30, 1903, it became a town, and the first mayor of the community would be John Dixon, who served from 1903 to 1904, and A.A. Menley would serve as the first police officer for the new community. Today, Maple Creek is one of the most important communities along the Trans-Canada Highway and in southern Saskatchewan. The Southwest Saskatchewan Old Timers Museum Located in a small log cabin along Jasper Street, you will find the Southwest Saskatchewan Old Timers Museum. The museum itself actually predates the cabin. The cabin was built in 1935, but the museum was established in 1926, making it what is believed to be the oldest purpose-built museum building in Saskatchewan. The museum also operates out of the nearby CM Glasscock Building, which served as an auto dealership from 1909 to 2009. The museum commemorates the 1870-1918 period of development in the Cypress Hills. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I've spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms, and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call one 866 285-2253. The Cypress Hills. Once again, I've been to the Cypress Hills many times, I've canoed on the lake there, and its landscape is completely different from what you would think you would find in Saskatchewan. And if you're going through on the Trans-Canada Highway, definitely stop at the Cypress Hills. One of the most unique parts of Saskatchewan can be found in the Cypress Hills, which the Blackfoot called Aikimikui, which translates as striped earth or earth over earth. Manataka, which means beautiful upland or an area to be respected and protected. The Cypress Hills actually rises to 4,810 feet, 
making it the highest location in Saskatchewan and one of the highest locations east of the Rockies and west of Quebec. It is also a place that has shown an abundance of fossils and it's a regular stopping place for fossil hunters. During the Ice Age, the area was not covered by the ice sheets and this helped to create the unique landscape and ecosystem I spoke about earlier. For centuries, the indigenous would often meet at the Cypress Hills, including the Cree, Assiniboine, Atsina, Blackfoot, Saltu, Sioux, and the Crow. Recognizing the importance of the area, the Cypress Hills Provincial Park was created in 1931, and it was extended into Alberta in 1951. The two sides of the park were turned into the Interprovincial Park in 1989. Today, the park offers many tourism opportunities, including skiing, hiking, canoeing, camping, and much more. There's also an ice cream stand there, and they give you a massive amount of ice cream, but it is fantastic, and I encourage you to check it out. The Jasper Cultural and Historical Centre Located in the Jasper Street School, which was built in 1910 and would serve as the centre for schooling in the district until 1986, the Jasper Cultural and Historic Centre is one of the best rural Saskatchewan museums around. Each former classroom of the museum is dedicated to the creation of something from the past of the community, from the recreation of a Victorian bedroom and kitchen, to the Western Gallery that highlights the history of ranches and ranchers in the community, there's a huge amount of history to discover in this building. In addition to those rooms and several others, you can explore a railway station with a complete recreation of the railway station platform and ticket office. There's also a fantastic recreation of a one-room schoolhouse, complete with desks, blackboard, and much more, just as it would have looked decades ago when the room actually served as a classroom. The building also houses a small auditorium in the Prairie Skies Art Gallery. The St. Mary's Anglican Church Built in 1909, the St. Mary's Anglican Church has a long association with the surrounding community of Maple Creek. In 1883, when Maple Creek first came into existence, Anglican residents would hold church services and businesses and homes. Four years later, in 1887, the congregation built its first church, which was a wood-framed structure. As the community grew, that structure was no longer serving its purpose, and on July 27, 1909, the Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of Saskatchewan Masons put down the cornerstone on a new brick building. The building would be dedicated on January 9, 1910. An impressive structure, it reflected the growing importance of Maple Creek in the community. Today, the building still stands and serves the Anglican residents of the community. The stained glass windows memorialize the early members of the congregation, and the orange brick exterior with its tall spire make it one of the most valued community landmarks in Maple Creek. As a result of its importance to the heritage of Maple Creek, it was made a municipal heritage property in 2004. The Orr Law Office now, This doesn't have anything to do with Bobby Orr, but dating back to 1910, the Orr Law Office has served the community in a variety of ways over the course of its history. It begins with the establishment as a bank in the community, operating as such out of the building for over four decades. From 1910 to 1925, it was home to the Union Bank of Canada, followed by the Royal Bank of Canada from 1925 to 1932, and then the Bank of Montreal from 1932 to 1952. In 1917, on the second floor, law offices were established by J.W. Thompson, 
making it the second law office in the community. In 1949, those offices were taken over by W.R. Orr, who was a partner with Arthur Burnett, one of the first lawyers to practice in the region. In 1952, when the Bank of Montreal left, the bottom floor was bought by Burnett and Orr, and they moved their offices to the ground floor. The building would operate as a law office until 2005 when Orr passed away. Since the building had served as a law office in various capacities from 1917 to 2005, it made it one of the oldest continually operating law practices in rural Saskatchewan. Due to the historic nature of the building in the community, it was made a municipal heritage property in 2006. The Battle of Little Big Puck If you happen to visit Maple Creek in the winter around the middle of February, you can enjoy a truly unique event. It is the Battle of Little Big Puck, and it's been going on for 40 years, and it puts the ranchers in the area against the local Nekanit First Nation in a battle on the ice. According to legend, the hockey game dates back to a hot day in July in the 1970s, when a couple of local cowboys and members of the Nekanit First Nation were in the commercial hotel having a beer together. They began to joke to each other as to who would ride the toughest horses, rope the quickest, and more. Finally, the conversation turned to, of course, it's Canada, hockey, and who would win on the ice. From there, the Battle of Little Big Puck was born. Naturally, the name comes from the Battle of Little Bighorn. Following the defeat of General Custer, Sitting Bull and 5,000 Lakotas came into Canada to find refuge. They would remain for several years until they were starved into returning into the United States by the Canadian government. One interesting aspect of the game is that for the third period, the players dress in cowboy gear and indigenous outfits including cowboy hats, chaps, feathers, face paint, and beads. A local constable with the RCMP will also referee the game and will change into his red coat and Stetson for the third period as well. Hockey is a true Canadian sport enjoyed by all ages, and nowhere is this winter pastime more applauded than in Maple Creek, where hockey fans fill the stands to cheer on their favourite team. But this isn't just any hockey game, this is a battle. It's the Battle of the Little Big Puck. From the excitement of the game, to the action on the ice, and the capacity crowd in the stands, these two teams are driven year after year for a competitive game, while nurturing long-standing friendships and raising money for various community projects. In this community of uh, Maple Creek and Niganee, you know, we, we, we hold it dear to our hearts because it's, it's unique. It, nowhere else is it held. And, you know, like I said, we, we gain momentum. The Maple Creek uh, flag that we have here, you know, shows the Indian and the cowboy. And we, it's, for us, it's a mutual partnership, mutual respect. Hockey is a big part of small-town Saskatchewan. But here in Maple Creek, this is an event. It just seems to go over so well and bring, really brings the community together. There's lots of people at the rink tonight this will be the only time they come to the rink all year so i guess what it makes us realize is uh, we do have distinct cultures so we get to celebrate that and only in the community of Maple creek and nigani can we do that i guess you can do it openly so we we celebrate that you know we're passionate about uh, who we are the ranch community it's community that's not uh, disappearing it's, it's actually gaining momentum and with us first nation people as well too you know it's something that we teach our youngsters almost on a daily basis so to go take it to the ice is, it seems natural to us the game is played for charity and it's raised thousands of dollars every year for worthy causes in the community. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Maple Creek, Saskatchewan. If you did, please leave a rating and review.
If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website. We will find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And don't forget, you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Randy Hayden Doug Campbell Reg W Deborah Carlson Francis Helbling Randall McCallum Diane Wade Lorianne Kirby Gary Dolovich Nick Zinri Shannon Marshall Clinton Martinez Dimitri Chauve Aaron O'Hara Myers Robert Dunseith Todd Casey Catherine Rawa Luke Guess J.P. Bear Jason Hall Phil Maynard and Iris Gray. If you want, you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-E-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.